This episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audiobook download. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Knew that Luke Skywalker was wearing Levi's. News to me. Guess they went up for auction some time ago. I got to figure out what these went for. How much for the pants? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. We got the uh, Star Wars Lego special coming up. We'll talk about that. The Yoda Chronicles. Some news, pre, uh, sequel and otherwise, to talk about. But uh, if you're just joining us, welcome. We appreciate it. This is the episode of Rebel Force Radio for June 7th, 2013. Brought to you this week by our good friends at Audible.com. My name is Jason, and with me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. So you're telling me Luke Skywalker was wearing Levi's? Okay, they, were, they are apparently... We want to get very technical about this. They are cotton drill pants, but they were man- manufactured by Levi Strauss. Oh, okay, all right. So, so get this. So, Jim, uh, apparently Mark had a 29-inch waist at the time of the filming. Wow. 29-inch waist. Now, I haven't had a 29-inch waist in a while. <laughs> I did have one at one time. Slim um, Jim. Hey, you know, yeah. uh, he, he, he maintained that very uh, thin physique all the way through Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, really, when, when he's fighting on Jabba's sail barge, you're like, of course, although laser blasts are missing him, he's wafer thin. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a slight guy. He's, you know, he's not, uh, you know, he was a hero and larger than life, but, uh, but not a big guy. The, the pants themselves were, had an inseam of uh, 37 inches. Okay. Uh, and with with two six inch slits up each side, you know, to fit in the boots, I guess. But anyway, they went up for auction. Um, uh, this appears to have ended at the time of this story. The high bid was at uh, just south of thirty thousand dollars. Wow, thirty thousand for the pants! Imagine what the shorty robe would go for. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Think about. It. I know. I can't imagine. Um, I, I guess these were, were were customized. So you know, Levi made them, and then they were they were. Uh, they, they, I gotta say that if you if you, God bless whoever bought these, uh, it's a great thing to have. I mean, those are the actual pants, but it just looks like a dude's pair of like dirty, <laughs> literally that's just dirty pants is what they are. They're very unimpressive. That's Moss Eisley dirt on those pants, man. That's I, I that's, hope that's worth its weight in dirt. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm actually on the website right now, and uh, it says it's it's closed. the 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 lot is closed, and uh, oh, the anchor the bidding increments were. Uh, let's see, thirteen bids, twenty five hundred dollars. That that can't be right. That can't be right. 
I don't know. It doesn't say. You'd think it would say. Anyway, um, that's a lot of money to get in Luke Skywalker's pants, let me tell you. Oh, geez, I have here someone paid $31,000 for Luke Skywalker's pants. Oh, is that the, that was the final uh, yeah. final one there, $31,000. Wait a second. Update. What? $36,100 is the final that tally. The, that was it, huh? It was the winning bid. Hmm. Sand-colored cotton drill Levi's pants. Yeah. Purposefully distressed to display where? Oh, so fake dirt. Fake. That was that was movie dirt on those pants. But you see what I'm saying? If you look at the pictures, it's like, would you hang those on your wall? Luke's pants? His dirty pants? Yeah, but they don't look like Luke's pants. Hell yeah. They look like a dirty pants. You've you got a lot of explaining to do. I would put them up there, and I would say, behold the pants of Skywalker. <laughs> This is so, yeah, so uh, one hardcore Star Wars fan bought these pants for $36,100. So wait a minute. I got a question. Hold on a second. If those are the. By the way, if you did want to buy these pants brand new from the official Levi's website, it costs you a solid 78 bucks. Oh, they still make them? They still make them. Get out. Yeah. Wow. Get your own Luke Skywalker pants. Get yourself a shorty robe, and you're set for a night out on I the town. I want to know if those Rebel Legion cats, if they're actually the ones that do shorty robe Luke, if they're actually wearing those Levi pants. They might be. You know, they, they pay a lot of attention to that kind of detail. you got to buy the actual ones. Uh, yeah. Um, did it go to, like, a good cause, or is it just just an auction? I think it was a... a private uh, owner putting this item up for bid. So, uh, yeah, one guy is uh, walking away with uh, over 36 grand for a pair of Levi's. No, wait a minute, though. Okay, so if those are the actual pants that he wore in the making of the movie, then what have I been seeing at the, all these exhibits over the years? Have you ever seen that actual bit of wardrobe? I mean, you have to assume they had more than one pair of Levi's along with more than one shorty robe. It was a, you know, they, they probably took several pieces of, of wardrobe out to the set, and he would probably need to wear them for different situations. You know, he right. probably had one thing for uh, following the attack by the, the sand people. So, you know, the, to show the distress to the garment. You think that. so? Yeah. It wasn't, yeah, like, it wasn't a big budget. Yeah, but still, I think when you're talking about a pair of Levi's that goes for seventy-eight bucks in 2013, a pair of Levi's probably went for thirty bucks. Back okay, in- now this this is a this is a clue, uh, Jim. You're right because the, the the official description here calls them screen-worn quote hero costume pants. So anytime you know you're talking about the hero version of a prop or a costume, that's generally used for close-ups. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like you say, there might have been, say, for example, he was running, right? They might have used a different type of pant sure. that, would, that would accommodate the running. Yeah. And there's, of course, you know, stunt people. They have to be accounted for as That's well. Right. They need to be where, you know, right. his stand-in would have to have similar wardrobes. So, yeah, they probably had, you know, 20 pairs of these pants out there with them on the desert. I feel like I should get a pair. I think you should get a pair. I feel like I should get a pair of these. Send me that link. So, but the question are, what kind of shoes is he wearing? You can never tell because his his legs are all bandaged up, and I, I I always assume that those were bandages. But you know what? They could be actually part of the fabric of the boot itself. 
I think that I was one you thought piece, they were bandages, really? Yeah, like the Tuscan Raiders were. All right. Yeah, it could be because it's uh, for you know sandstorms. Exactly. You prevent sand from getting in your shoes. You know, it gets everywhere. Right. And there's probably all kind of mites and things you want to keep away from out in the desert, or <laughs> you know, or just you know if you're. Uh, just, just, sitting, wait, just sitting waiting for a bus and a, a, a Jawa is next to you and he slides his iPhone right underneath your uh, leg. You are, what are you doing there, man? Why is it? Why, you're recording what? <laughs> Utini? <laughs> Don't you say anything about my Utini, sir. Yeah. You know, once when I was a kid, my dad left my Luke Skywalker doll in an airplane, and I was so Wait, angry. Which, which Luke? Shorty robe or dress black? Shorty robe. Oh, my. The galaxy is listening. No, that's not our actual news. Though that is news. We've got, we've got, we've got more where that came from. <laughs> I have good news for you, my lord. That's... Good news. Come closer. I have good news. All right, Auntie Carrie back in the news. And uh, well, looks like we've got audio on this one. Jimmy Mack, she was on Extra. Was she uh, macking all over uh, Mario Lopez? Not, not like you think she was. Right. No, no. They, I mean, they were talking a, a very serious topic. They oh. were talking oh, okay. about uh, Carrie's um, various personality disorders, which, you know, I mean, it, it's it, it's not really a joking matter at all. It's sure. something she's trying very desperately to control with a, a certain balance of medication and other therapy. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I wish her all the luck in the world. Um, but uh, Mario managed to, in the middle of this conversation about – you know, finding the right balance with meds and all this. He uh, just out of nowhere. I mean, it was just like a kamikaze strike. <laughs> Bam. Here's a Star Wars question. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was great. Oh, excellent. Could you please tell me that the rumor is true that you, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill will be reuniting? I can't tell you that that's true. Although, you know, we could get back together at comic-con or one of those things you never know i ran into harrison recently in new york really and i asked him and he didn't know so you know i i love how sincere he's asking that question like like he really wants to know like this is uh this this means something to him yeah well i certainly hope so mario lopez of course he's a fan of the wars but um it's interesting how she says of course you know, they're getting back together, but she's, you know, then kind of throws him off saying that it might be a comic con or something like that. I don't, is that, is that a tease? Are we going to see a, some sort of episode seven cast reveal well, comic con this year? Yeah, You know, that's, that is, uh, that's something I hadn't thought of, but that would be probably the most likely place to, announce something like that and to do a press conference would be at comic-con now comic-con 2013 well i mean if they're going to start filming you know they're not going to be able to keep the cast under wraps once they get into filming uh and and they're talking about filming this thing first of the year in uh in the uk so you know what that's just crazy enough to be true though we do have another event that could feature such an announcement with uh, Celebration Europe 2 coming up very soon. Was it like a month away? 
Um, yeah, it's at the end of July. But the likelihood of getting the three principles out into uh, Dusseldorf or Essen, um, I, God, that's a that's a long shot. I know Kerry is going for sure. Yeah. But uh, Mark Hamill's made no announcements about going to Germany. He, you, know, you never know. He just might. He did make it to Celebration Japan. Harrison they, Ford, of course. He's got Disney money, though, now. You know, as far as, like, getting them there. Yeah, but do they want to go? That's yeah. the thing. And Harrison Ford, of course, has never been to a celebration. So any appearance from Harrison at any celebration would be a shocker. Sure. But and he I, has been to Comic-Con. And also, I think if you're going to want to be making that kind of announcement, along with the three principles in attendance, you also want to have J.J. Abrams. And yes, of course, George Lucas should be there. So you're, you're talking about five people with very diverse and different schedules and lifestyles and, you know, the, the logistics of making that happen, in my opinion, seeing that all those names I mentioned are California-based Comic-Con would be the place to do it if they were to do it live. Now, recall back in, uh, boy, I can't remember the year, but it was leading up to Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They showed a video of George, Stephen, Harrison, Shia LaBeouf on set, and they talked a little bit about the film, and this was all shown at Comic-Con. This film was shown at Comic-Con, this video. And uh, that's when they introduced Marion Ravenswood, Karen Allen. They brought her into the video. Nobody knew that Karen was going to be a part of Indy right, 4 right, right. at the I time. remember that now. That's right. Now, you do remember that uh, Harrison Ford did make a, an appearance at San Diego Comic-Con with, uh, 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 oh, gosh. Cowboys the, and Aliens. A, right, right, mm-hmm. right. Cowboys and Aliens with John Favreau. And that was unexpected. And, and those that were in the room said that, Harrison seemed legitimately moved and touched by the ovation that he received. So you're right, Jim, from a logistics standpoint and just uh, plain old common sense would tell us that. uh, Plus, you know, let's face it. Let's face it. The the, the media descends on San Diego Comic-Con. It's it is a huge, huge event for entertainment, film, uh, television, video games, all of that sort of thing, uh, particularly film. So I. I'm starting to wonder if this is if this is true. Now, when I first heard the clip, my first thought was, well, they need a cover story for all the times that that Carrie has confirmed that the three would be getting back together, which she has done in the past. So, the, the you know, the PR guy inside me says, well, that was probably a story. They said, OK, you know, if that happens again, well, you know, uh, uh, Miss Fisher could be talking about a variety of different ways that those uh, folks could be getting back together, could be at a celebration, could be at a comic convention, you know. So to me, that seemed like a kind of a, a a cover story. Though, the more we talk about this, the more I feel like, yes, I would not be surprised if we do get a big announcement at Comic-Con. Do we have the dates? What are the dates here? Comic-Con, I believe, is in the second week of July. So it would be prior to Celebration 2. That's, that's coming up really soon. Very um, soon. About five weeks away. So, uh, yeah, and then uh, she says she ran into Harrison in New York. Hey, Carrie. <laughs> and she says, have you heard anything? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Comic-Con. 
very touched. <laughs> I got uh, Lou Ferrigno's autograph. <laughs> His lifelong ambition, I'm sure. So uh, she uh, she ran into Harrison <laughs> in New York, and yeah. he says, eh, you know, nothing's happened yet. And so, you know, so that tells me, you know, for her, maybe she's already locked and loaded. Maybe Mark's already locked and loaded. But maybe Harrison's a deal breaker. Should they not be able to reunite all three? Do you think then they're just going to scrap the idea of bringing them back together in general and maybe just go with one or go with Mark or something? I mean, nothing could get greenlit until Harrison signs. Maybe that could be the case. I mean, what do you think of that? If they can't get all three, should they use any of them? You know what? Nimoy and Shatner used to have a have a deal that if they were in uh, a, Star, a Star Trek film together, that they would get paid the same amount. Uh, so that, that, but that wasn't about whether or not you know if one was in, the other one wasn't. But it was they did have that deal. So you know, actors will sometimes make those deals amongst themselves. The cast of Friends, you know, famously did that. Um, Simpsons so, cast too, as I recall. You're right. I believe you're right. Um, so that, you know, they do kind of come up with these little uh, arrangements. I, I think for someone like uh, Mark Hamill, um, just based on some of the comments that he's made, I, I think that he would be one that would say, you know, it really has to be all of us or none of us. In fact, maybe he did say that. Am I, am I dreaming that? There, that does have a, a familiar ring to it, but yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to put my finger on exactly where he would have made that statement. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it seems... That a statement like that might have been made. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I would say that he would be one. Um, I don't know. You know, Carrie Fisher, I, I think she would probably do it without the other two. My preference, obviously, is that, that they bring the whole band back together. And I think that's really what's going to happen. Um, but if, you know, if Harrison Ford decided to sit out, I, you know, I, I still wouldn't want the opportunity to see the others uh, taken from me. So I say. Bring it on, however many you can get. But uh, please don't make it. Don't do what they did with Godfather 3. Please don't get George <laughs> Hamilton to fill in for, uh, for for Harrison Ford. We're going to know. You know that, you remember that? They couldn't get Duvall oh, in for that? Class, yeah, I mean, it replaced the, the great Robert Duvall with uh, George Hamilton. Zorro and, the Gay Blade. In, in a role that really uh, had no significance whatsoever on the film at all. No, it, it was no. just, uh, yeah, I think everyone saw through that one. Could have just left it out, you know, because they, they they made him the type. So so don't, like, acknowledge the death of Han Solo and then, you know, bring Dash Rendar into the thing, Ooh, right? That would sting. That would stink. Or, or, or what about Shia LaBeouf? As Dash Rendar <laughs> or as, as young Han? I can't believe they brought that kid back again. <laughs> yeah, there's no love loss between those two. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 After. Uh, yeah. Because uh, LaBeouf made all these uh, comments, nasty comments about uh, the last Indiana Jones movie after it was made and it came out. And, and you know, it, it had a little bit of that episode one um, backlash. And uh, LaBeouf, you say, hey, we really, you know, we really screwed the pooch on this movie. We really disappointed the fans. I think they felt let down. I think I felt let down. And he really just kind of put it all out there. And uh, Harrison Ford was pissed. So go back and Google that. He was not happy. You know, I think Harrison Ford is is uh, he's old school. You know, we, we united and all of this. And 
uh, you know, you don't talk bad about, you know, a guy like Steven Spielberg. You don't bite the, the, the hand that feeds you. Be a good soldier. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't hear him talking poor, you know, even with his love hate relationship with Star Wars, he's had kind of a, I think kind of a tortured uh, history with it since it, since it wrapped. Uh, he never spoke badly of George Lucas or of, you know, the, the, the folks involved with the film. He, he had, you know, some critical things to say about the dedication and the loyalty of the fans mm-hmm. in the, in their fervor. Um, but but certainly never criticizing the production itself or the quality of the film or anything like that. You know, Harrison comes off to me as the type of guy who would take this approach. If you're going to be involved, own it. Yeah, right. Take ownership of it, nurture it, make it the best thing you can possibly make it. And whether or not that matches critical acclaim or fan demands – or even your own personal private desires mm-hmm. for, and, and standards, no matter what it turns into, if you're going to be involved with it, you have to own it. Right. I agree. I think that that's, that is uh, probably his philosophy, and I appreciate that. So, so no Shia LaBeouf probably in Star Wars Episode Seven. We can rule him out. Though rumors are... Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago we were reporting on who's the who's who's the actor? I can't think of his name. The uh, the young English boy from uh, about a boy, and he was in that movie Warm Bodies. He's he's been talked about as having a potential role in uh, in one of the uh, the new Star Wars films. In addition to, uh, we're talking about new faces in Star Wars, not just, not the uh, bringing the uh, the classic characters. But uh, Jim, here's one. This is uh, John Reese. Myers. Now I'm going to pronounce this as I would John Reese Davies. That's and right. John Reese Davies, the great actor who played uh, Sala in the Indiana Jones film. Speaking of Indiana Jones, and also played uh, uh, Gimli in the Lord of the Rings films. He corrected you because I think you asked him at the top of the interview when he was on the program uh, how to pronounce the name, and it's Reese, correct? John Reese Davies. He's one of the nicest, most warm and pleasant interviews I ever was involved with. I've heard your name pronounced John Reese Davies, John Rice Davies. Let's just put this to rest. How is your name correctly pronounced? It is correctly pronounced John Reese Davies. There we go. John Reese. And I love I love the sound of your voice. It has such power when you say your own name. John Reese Davies. Well, one of you got to on your boy, because that's the way we say it in Wales, you see. What a great guy. And I led off the interview with that because I wanted to give him a proper introduction. And yet I had heard the Reese being pronounced as rice, as being pronounced any sort of way you could imagine. R-H-Y-S, to be pronounced. I've heard it that way. So I just want to go right to the source and say, how do you pronounce it? Someday I'm going to do this with uh, Michael Giacchino, uh, the, the, the composer, Michael Giacchino. No. All right. Well, this isn't John Reese Davies. This is Jonathan Reese Myers. Uh, a lot of folks remember him from the Tudors. Uh, he is rumored to have a role or in talks to have a role in the new Star Wars film, a co-starring part and uh, connection to J.J. Abrams. Uh, He was in Mission Impossible 3, which J.J. directed. 
and I, I would normally discount this, Jim, but it comes by way of El Mayimbe. El Mayimbe! That's right. Who He's first not- broke the Harrison Ford story. <laughs> yes. He broke the story. Well, at least he said that it might happen. That's a scoop, man. <laughs> he said that it like might most definitely happen, except for some dotted eyes and cross T's. Anyway, El Mayimbe, who writes for what's the the uh, the, the, the Latino Review? The Latino Review is claiming that uh, Jonathan Reese Myers is in negotiations to star in uh, in Star Wars. A great actor, and he's got that. You know, he's a nice looking dude, but he's kind of he's got that Joaquin Phoenix where. He's kind of a nice-looking guy, but he also looks a little psycho, too. So um, I'm looking at him and thinking that he would make a heck of a clone Palpatine if they went that route. I don't want the clone Palpatine route to be gone down. No? Um, no, I don't. I, You know, Dark Empire comic did it 20-something years ago, and that was... Uh, you know that was that was okay, but I don't want to see that happen as a legitimate Star Wars Episode Seven. Um, a rebirth of Palpatine, I would rather see as opposed to a clone. I would you know rather see the rebirth of Palpatine. What if it's like Exorcist, where his uh, his aura for you Star Trek fans, his Katra, ends up in the a new host? Mm, no. No. no, because it has to be Palpatine. And as long as Ian McDermott's still around, you could still cast him in that role. And to see him emerge out of the forest or, you know, imagine he emerges from the force of Endor and wipes out a bunch of Ewoks. Number one, fans would be delighted. Number can you imagine? Can you imagine if Episode Seven opened opened that way? That way. <laughs> Return to the forest moon of Endor. Where Palpatine right. lost his life in the skies above. Right. And he emerges from the forest, which is very Joseph Campbellian. Is that, is that a word? Campbellian? Uh, Joseph Campbell would write about right. rebirth happening. I think you can make that Campbellian. Word. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's happening. It's Campbellian. Right. And uh, he would, you know, talk about the rebirth in the forest. Right. You would see similar. Would he be shirtless Palpatine? No, 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 no. He would be you like, know, like, like I'm picturing when Schwarzenegger shows up in Terminator. Is that is that like he's in that that crowd? There's like lightning and there's that crouched position and he emerges. I need your clothes. No, 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 no. I need your clothes. He walk. He would be um, like when Gandalf returned, he was white. Mm-hmm. He went from being gray to white. Right. Maybe Palpatine could be like, you know. Imagine he's just in the exact same cloak he had, but it's plaid is a tribute to George Lucas. <laughs> you think the Ewoks would try to braid his hair like they did Leia? So, the, yes, the Ewoks approach him. They want to, you know, dress him up and braid his hair. Right. And then maybe put him over an open fire and cook him up. Right. And so he's on to them right away. Gives them force lightning. Good. He walks flying everywhere. Everywhere. And then he presses a button on a comlink, and an Imperial shuttle lands, and he gets on board and splits. That's how episode seven begins. Pat Oswald, eat your freaking heart out.
That just happened, ladies and gentlemen. We just wrote the opening sequence to Star Wars Episode Seven, and if it does happen that way, uh, uh, JJ, you know where to find us. You know where to find us. So Star Wars Weekends, I believe they have wrapped up, or they have another week. Yes, there is one more one week, more week. Left in Star okay. Wars Weekends. It's a four-week affair. Uh, week three just wrapped up. Uh, I actually uh, spoke to Sam Whitworth today, and he was uh, one of the special guests out there, and he said he had a great time and loved meeting all the Rebel Force Radio listeners that approached him and said, hey, it was so great to hear you do things like the New Hope commentary that you did. And so he was eating all that up, and he was very happy to report to me that he had a really good time out there at Star Wars Weekends. Well, apparently the uh, some of the cast members, according to our good friends over at Jedi News, the cast members uh, at, at Disney World are stopping folks as they are go about their um, enjoying Star Wars Weekends to ask them a few polling questions. And I was just kind of curious, some of these questions here, uh, like, what are they trying to get at? Yeah, I'm, I'm in marketing and in uh, advertising, and so I tend to think this way. But I'm trying to figure out what on earth they could be trying to, uh, what question they could be trying to answer. So there's just a few questions that they asked. Uh, the first was, uh, were you aware that it was currently Star Wars weekends? I guess I would probably just kind of look around, see all the people in costume waiting in line to get Sam Witwer's autograph. So, yes. However, you know, I like that question. I like the way it's phrased because it's not only a measure of how well Disney is getting the Star Wars presence out there, but it's how well do people actually know Star Wars? I mean, sure, a Zam Wessel could walk by you or me and we'd be like, Star Wars. But how many regular people worldwide would make that distinction? Sure, the stormtroopers are really iconic, and Darth Vader, of course, you know him. But really, when people go to – you see such a cross-section of all these different worldwide cultures when you go to Disneyland. You could bump into someone from any of the four corners of the globe at Disneyland. So it's interesting to kind of take the pulse of just people walking around the park and – you know, throw that out there. I mean, do you know well, what these people are representing? This, is that dress up in this costume, right? This is true, and 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 I have a I have a good friend who he and his uh, family they vacation uh, sometimes every year, sometimes every other year in, in in Disney World. And some years ago, they just happened to schedule their vacation during a Star Wars weekend. They had no idea that it was, and he he you know he's a Star Wars fan in the sense that he saw the movies and liked them and remembers them fondly as, a, you know, looking back as a kid, but not a, not a fan fan. And, uh, he said it was just awful. He said, unless you're, unless you're into that, it said it was just the worst time to be there because, you know, I mean, it's, you're just, there's thousands of Star Wars fans and that's what they want to do. They, you know, it's all about the Star Wars. And he said it was just so crowded. Um, and, that, that that happens. I said, well, don't do that anymore. So I can understand them asking people. You know, no, are you down, aware that it's Star Wars weekend? Slow down, because I got a real bad taste in my mouth right now. What? So this guy, you yeah. say he grew up and finally remembers the films and whatnot. But yet, to to be surrounded by that in lovely Florida, right. Orlando, Florida, right. to be surrounded by that, it's it's 
awful? Was that his actual word? Awful? Uh, what, what makes it any different than being surrounded he said by it was Disney? just too crowded. It was too crowded. It oh, was, was too crowded. You know, you okay, your all regular right. Disney crowd for the weekend, plus all the Star Wars people there. Okay, all right, extra fine. crowd. That was his problem. Fine. Was the, the the wait for the rise? He's got the two kids. He's schlepping the strollers. He's doing the whole thing, and the Star Wars fans on top of your regular attendees there for a typical June weekend or May weekend was, was awful. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's an attendance thing. It's crowds. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I would have, I'd I'd have, I'd have just poured my drink all over him. If, if, if if he would have been insinuating that the quality of the people made it awful. So I'd be like, that's my people. Yeah. Right. You got to represent. I got to represent. So no, it was just, it was a, it was more of a reflection of, of, of the, the this crowd size and the the long waits for the rides and all of that. So his theory is they should just close it down for everybody but Star Wars fans. Oh, so what you're saying is make it like uh, a special ticket. You can't exactly. just buy admission. It would be a special, like, much like when we went to the last tour of Endor back in Celebration Five Days. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, when you blew your voice out. All right. Well, oh, that's exactly. <laughs> That's exactly when it happened. GL in the house. All right. So the the other question that they asked was, uh, did you attend Hollywood Studios specifically for Star Wars weekend? So they want to know or, you know, like if my friend was there, it'd be like, no, I didn't even know this was going on. They also asked on a scale of one to ten. So I'll ask you, Jimmy Mack. How would you rate your knowledge of the Star Wars universe, including films, TV shows, books and video games? Well, I would have to say a ten. A ten. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Like I Bo think Derek anyone listening him, to the show a 10. would qualify as a 10, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big a Star Wars fan would you rate yourself? Again, I will go with 10. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many obvious um, uh, deformities to my personality <laughs> that make it so. And, it, and, there, you know, and there's nothing awful about that, I'll tell you no, right now. no. no. I guess they also give you a quiz to really test your Star Wars knowledge. But do you uh, have this quiz? I don't have the quiz. There, there, there were apparently four questions. Uh, let me see if, if if I can find the quiz. This would be interesting to know. Let's see. Um, it's like all fill in the blank. R two. Um. Um. Uh. <laughs> no, there's actually no. Damn, the the, the quiz isn't there. Uh, but they were just testing to see if you really were truly a Star Wars fan with really simple questions. And the last question was, if you could visit any place in the Star Wars universe, where would you go, Jimmy Mack? Moss Eisley Cantina. Yeah, that's my answer, too. Say that without yeah. hesitation. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the first place I'd go. Second place would be uh, Pod Race Arena. Oddly enough, you know, really both, both on Tatooine. You're a Tatooine guy. Tatooine. Well, I would, you know, I I would just love to be at a Pod Race to just hang out and tailgate, and uh, you know, watch the race. And it, I, I think there were there was betting going on. Of course, there was betting going on. Watto was betting the farm. That would be very thrilling for me. I I could fit in with that crowd. Yeah, well, maybe you go to Moss Eisley and then you go over to the to the pod race. Get your drink on, Moss Eisley. 
Yeah. And then he had to, yeah. The most. Just, now I'm thinking about where else I could go. Right. You know, a weekend in Cloud City would be really awesome. Uh, of course, Naboo. Right. Who wouldn't want to go to Naboo? So I'm wondering with this with this survey. So they're obviously trying to get a, a sense of the types of Star Wars fans that come out for Star Wars weekends. Um, it, it doesn't seem that it's necessarily about the the quality of the event, the event itself. You know, there's no one. You know, the questions weren't. You know, did you, do you are you enjoying yourself at Star Wars weekends? What events or presentations have you taken in? Have you watched whatever? It's all about the from the fan level. Like, what kind of a fan are you? How big of a fan are you? How much do you know about Star Wars? Do you know that it's Star Wars weekends? Well, it's right there. I mean, see, that's the question that got me thinking about. It's not really a measure of how they're presenting the Star Wars material. It's more of a way to measure what kind of average person is a legitimate Star Wars fan. And I say legitimate based on the terms of their questionnaires. That's what I think the goal is here, is to gauge the, if you will, level of popularity of the franchise in general. Yeah, and and probably also to get a sense of the range of folks that attend a Star Wars weekend and to what extent are they really hardcore fans, right? I mean, are they... Yes, who's there for the wars? Right, and 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 are we talking about a more mainstream kind of Star Wars fan? Are we talking about you know, like I say, the real diehard, the real diehard types? I mean, my sense is that Disney would want uh, the former. They would want a, a pretty broad selection of of Star Wars fans from various walks of life, as opposed to you know just the the super um, hardcore fans. Well, yeah, of course, they have to have that mainstream appeal. Right. That's, that's what I'm what, saying. Yeah, and that's what moves the uh, mainstream, moves the merchandise on Main Street at Disneyland or World or wherever. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. So this October, check this out, the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art is going to be giving the Notorious GL a very, very exclusive award uh it's it, this is the fort he's going to be the 14th recipient of the uh let's see what's the name of this thing um bum, 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 bum. celebrating the bay area treasure award mm, very prestigious apparently yeah only 14 other recipients uh, george lucas and a bunch of guys i have never heard of so i won't even read their names um all legends. Well, I, when I, when I, that, according to this, all legends. I read it real quickly, and I thought, oh, Joseph Campbell. No, this is Jim Campbell. Probably no relation. But uh, this is all going to go down at a dinner at the uh, Museum of Modern Art there in San Francisco on October twenty fourth. So they are really way ahead of things. Mm-hmm. They're planning this. Well, you know, when you get notorious GL at one of these fancy dinners, you would know, Jim. You've been to one of these fancy dinners where George has attended. Yeah, I have. I, I was at the uh, Four Seasons in downtown Chicago when the Siskel Center honored Lucas and flew in John Favreau for a big banquet and question and answer session. And uh, you know, that's just another weekend for George. He uh, he's been wined and dined. You know, knowing him, knowing Lucas, he he either is he finds those events to be silly or funny. 
Um, every once in a while, he's truly touched by what's going on around him. But at the end of the day, I think his rebellious attitude turns him against all the pomp and circumstance of big banquets and honors and all this stuff. I think he'd just be rather sitting in Monaco watching the Grand Prix. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the type of guy he is, yeah, really. Yeah. And that's why I think sometimes he comes off as rather standoffish in these situations. But it's great to hear that his local community and by that, I, I mean the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, to which he's done a lot, dedicated a lot, donated a lot to, um, that they're honoring him with such a prestigious award or recognition. Well, you know, in addition to, um, you know, obviously his contributions to filmmaking is, are, are great, but this is kind of taking a, a, a broader view and they're giving him this award as a visual art pioneer so in all of all the visual arts uh george is uh, re- the 14th person to receive this and what's curious about it is this is you know on the heels of the announcement that he's planning to spend a billion dollars to create the lucas cultural arts museum mm-hmm. uh right there in uh, the presidio park so uh, you know eventually the museum of modern art is looking at a situation where they might be competing with george lucas and his own Museum, and you know, the more I think about this, it's like you know, presidents get their libraries, right? Mm-hmm. Presidents get their presidential libraries. George should have a museum, clearly. But uh, even one step better is that the museum will be showcasing things from his private collection. He's a big time collector. He's collected comic art, art of all types. I think he has the largest international movie poster collection. In the world, um, you see it all over the walls of Skywalker Ranch and Big Rock Ranch and uh, at Presidio. It's it's even at Presidio. You're standing waiting for an elevator and you're looking at this unbelievable poster celebrating uh, the release of Snow White in Czechoslovakia. And it, it has all this original art and everything. And it, it's just fascinating to... Uh, to know that he has been able to use his massive funds and worldwide connections to not only, you know, elevate filmmaking, but on his own end to preserve these large collections of artwork. And now he's going to build his own museum that will showcase a lot of things like this. Yeah, it's going to be very cool. It's going to be will very it compete, cool. Will it compete with the big-time museums out in San Francisco? I don't know. I think... I don't know, man. A billion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's, that's a lot of money. I don't know many museums that cost a billion dollars to build. Maybe these days. Billion Who knows? dollars. Billion dollars. That's only 25... Less than... That's like 22% of what he got back from Disney when he sold Lucasfilm. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? The uh, the excitement doesn't end here. We do have uh, Jonathan Wilkins is on the line here. We're going to talk to Jonathan about Star Wars Insider number 142, big issue coming out. Actually, it's out now on newsstands right now, and there's uh, some exclusives he's going to tell us about. Jonathan Wilkins. Not him. Surely not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to have you back here on Rebel Force Radio. Hey, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Well, that's well, not at this time of night. That's for sure. 
Hey, look, it's the still of the night here, but that does not stop me loving Star Wars. No, we, <laughs> we go. Something tells me you get your best work done in the middle of the night. Yeah, I don't know who's been telling you that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that could be true. That could be true. <laughs> so what's going on in the world of Star Wars Insider these days, Jonathan? Well, you know, it's, it's all go at the moment. We're, mm. we're currently preparing our issue for uh, Celebration Europe 2, mm-hmm. but we've just got our latest issue is has just come out, and that is uh, issue. Oh, where are we? <laughs> are they numbered? Sorry, can you tell it's late? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's issue one four two, and um, we've got we've gone a bit prequel crazy, to be honest, because yeah. it's something we've we've not had a lot of recently in the magazine. So just before we kind of go full on with our Return of the Jedi issue, we've we've gone. Uh, Back in time, chronologically, I guess. Uh, so, what are, you, what are you featuring in this issue about the the, the prequels? Because you're right, you know, um, for the last few years, Star Wars Insider has been properly focusing in on the Clone Wars. That's been the current state of Star Wars. It's been what's been under production, uh, and uh, so you guys have have shown the spotlight on it. But now you're looking back to the prequels. So, uh, what are we doing to, to focus on on that era of Star Wars? We've got a really lovely feature by um, a writer who I think you're acquainted with, Trisha Barr. Yes, oh, Trisha wonderful. Fangirl. Absolutely. Yes. And she's, uh, she has written a beautiful feature um, looking at Padme. Now, Padme is one of those characters that is a key character, but I don't think there's a lot been written about her. And I, she's kind of like, sort of under-discussed. Say um, she is. I, mean, I think. I think. I think you're right. I think that she's probably one of the least fleshed out of all of the the principal characters, and, and she is the mother for God's sakes. Absolutely. How can we forget the mother? No, no, you, you mustn't forget the mother. And she's well. It's, it's one of those articles. I think that kind of I commissioned it, and when it, I wasn't quite sure. I knew it was going to be expertly written and, and very thought provoking, but it came back, and wow, it made me watch the prequels in a whole new light so um trisha so, yeah, has that so effect on you she oh she you know? really does she makes you rethink your life she's like obi-wan <laughs> kenobi you know with, <laughs> without the death rubbish. sticks yes yeah, absolutely but um i mean the other plus point of course purely selfishly is we get to put uh, padme on the cover in the iconic um the white jumpsuit from attack of the clones brandishing a firearm that's the size of a small child. <laughs> it's, it's an, an enormous gun. And uh, it, now is this uh, post-rip or pre-rip? Oh, she's ripped. Oh, she's, she's ripped. ripped. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. In yeah. more ways well, than one, actually. It, it, it's one of the true iconic images of, of um, the Star Wars prequels, I think. Yeah. So, what is it about uh, the scantily resist. clad women? Uh, you know, it takes a scantily clad woman to become iconic in the Star Wars films. You've got, the, of course, I, I guess the the white robe you could call uh, iconic uh, in addition to the, of course, the gold bikini. But um, I sense a trend. We got I think a- the bed sheets that uh, Leia wears in, in Ep 4, I, I, don't, I don't find that to be iconic at all. I find it to be bed sheets as a matter of fact well, George, i'm not talking about the quality i'm saying but that that look her in that look, yeah. when you think of episode four leia the thing that's iconic is the hairstyle not what she's wearing yeah but i go by the halloween costumes right i mean if you go buy a princess leia halloween costume it's the white robe is it it is yeah yeah 
fine. <laughs> hey, if it's but good it's enough white... for Don Post Studios, it's good enough for me. <laughs> it's the white it... robe and it's the hood as well. I think that yeah. hood, when she pulls the hood down and puts the, the information inside R2, I think that is an iconic look, surely. Yes, yeah. uh, but, but I agree with Jimmy that it's, it is, it's all in the hair. It's all about it's the all buns. It's all about the buns. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely is. She doesn't really get a nice, fine, feminine look until she lands on Busby. You know, speaking of Padme, she does show up uh, with the buns there in, in episode two. And there wasn't a lot of hay made over that. But it, and it took me a while to... I, I, for, it was a fairly recent viewing that I'm, I'm watching. And I'm like, hey, she's got buns on. She does, but they're not the exact Cinnabon buns. No, they're they, more they're, bagels. Yeah, they're, or, <laughs> or pan, pancakes. Or they're kind of fun. They're funnel cakes. <laughs> funnel cakes, yeah. It's, it's a funnel cake she's wearing on her head. Do, do you know what those, those, um, those iconic buns, I never thought I'd be saying this at 3 a.m. in the morning, um, those iconic <laughs> buns are actually called. I didn't think they I'd be hearing this from you at 3 o'clock in the morning. I, I know what the answer is. Oh, wait, um, what? What's I do, the question? I do, because my sister bought a 12-inch Princess Leia action figure back in the 70s, and it came with a hairstyling book. And in mm. that book, it described Leia's hairstyle as star puffs. Star puffs. Star puffs. Yes. Star puffs. Right. <laughs> Star puffs. So I ladies, think I had those for breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies, uh, next time you go to your hairdresser, uh, just calmly and coolly look them right in the eye and say, "Star puffs, please." <laughs> See how far that gets you. <laughs> wow. So so wait a minute. So let me get this straight. So back in the day. When the twelve-inch Leia figure was released, I do recall that you know she had real hair, so it wasn't like a fixed plastic do. It was real hair. So, Jim, you're saying that there was a book that came with this that gave girls or boys ideas for various hairstyles. Absolutely, there was. As soon as you you started to you know play galactic hairdresser with the Princess Leia figure, um, you could never go back. There was mm. no way to get those star puffs back into shape. Oh. You suddenly had a very frazzled-looking Leia, as if she was a bag lady. It's bag lady <laughs> Leia. was the only hairstyle I think my sister could even come close to. Well, occasionally you might find that figure in a garage sale, and it is quite scary. Yeah, right, um, right. But I'm wondering now, was C-3PO the, the official hairdresser? Perhaps if you, the C three PO figure did that, no. All right, just no, I, I don't think he came okay. with like you know action comb accessory or. Anything I, I, like I just figured if any of them, <laughs> it would have been three um, PO C, as Yoda calls him. Right, Yoda Chronicles. Yes, yes, cracks me up every time. Uh, so what else? So we got Padme. What else is going on, Jonathan? You did mention that uh, there's a big Return of the Jedi issue coming out. There certainly is. Um... Before I get to that, though, I've got to tell you the key thing to look out for in, uh -huh. in the latest issue um, is we have got two free Tops Collector's Cards, mm -hmm. which now I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, that was quite a big, th quite a big thing. It was a huge thing. The yeah. uh, the um, Star Wars trading cards. Oh, yeah. And you know, they, it's a tentpole in the Star Wars yeah. collectibles world for well, sure well absolutely so um are these sketch uh, cards or what, what 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 from what set are they right they are from it's a new set and it's called star wars jedi legacy mm -hmm. um 
and what we've got is we've got uh, there are four to collect, and mm-hmm. there's two with each issue. So, so here's the thing. Now, are these are these cards? Um, are they visible when you purchase the magazine? I mean, can you see yes. which cards you're going to get? You can see which cards you're going to get. So this is really tricky what you guys at Titan Magazines are doing, and I'm on to you. You are uh, – <laughs> you've made – so there's actually four trading cards, and when you get your issue, you get two of the four. So you have to go out and buy a second issue of Star Wars Insider Magazine to get all four cards, right? Well, ideally you could buy four um, four issues of the magazine because you <laughs> oh, oh, so you, you get, get, you get, get two to open. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And uh-huh. then two to keep pristine because, of course, they will increase in value over the years. I see. I see. I see. Titan has been talking to the folks at Hasbro there. Um. <laughs> well, hey, it's actually um, dare dare I say it? It's actually our uh, our lovely ads manager Michelle, who is um, is brilliant at marketing these things and yeah, very clever. So, so are the are the cards in? A, they come in the plastic bag, or are they kind of blown in? So I have to like flip through the book to find which ones I get. Yeah, they're in a little plastic bag. And the poly you get, bag, yeah. You get a certain set. So I know what set sets I'm getting, right? Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. You'll be, right, right. You'll be able to see. So it's, yeah, no, it's all cool. It's all totally above board. It's, it, all it's um, Now, what, yeah, now what, if I, what, if I, what if I what if I read the magazine on my iPad with the fantastic Star Wars Insider app, which I highly recommend? That's, do you know what? That's a really good question. I hadn't actually thought of that. <laughs> I, will, I will. You've really got me. I stumped um, you. I, You've absolutely stumped um, the editor. One thing I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> um, thanks for that. I'm so pleased I stayed up all night. <laughs> Busted. Um, I'm just saying, you know, it's the digital era. But if, I guess if you're into digital stuff, you don't collect. You know, guys, that there, there, there actually no, there actually are digital trading cards. Have you guys seen this, Jim? I don't know. Are you have your Boys found this, discovered well, you know this. What? Kyle used to um, collect digital game cards, like um, yes, that's like the right. Wizards of the Coast sort of thing. Uh, I don't know who actually manufactured them, but he had these virtual decks of Star Wars game cards. That's right. I remember that. I remember sitting in a hotel room as he <laughs> flipped through them. Yeah, I, it just wasn't the same as the the, the physical card, you know. It was hard for me to get excited over the virtual card. <laughs> yeah, I have it to is say. Kind of, Kyle yeah, was way t- into it. You could say that about a magazine as well. It, like Some people like the feel of the paper and to flick through it, but some people prefer to have it on their iPad or I, whatever. I like, so I like it both ways. Yeah. I really like having the option of having multiple issues with me at all times and uh, uh, you know, I'm still a physical copy kind of guy, Jonathan. Trees be damned. <laughs> I want my magazine. Well, you realize sort of with every issue we produce, we're taking down a forest the size of Endor. So um, it's, <laughs> and the entire know, Endor forest. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's it. The- Those Ewok villages wiped out. <laughs> and you know what's ironic about it is that specifically for the Return of the Jedi special issue coming soon. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we've <laughs> which which we're just finishing right now this is how far ahead we are of things it's it's amazing and we've had um we've got a guest editor in so sort of my (laughs) that's it for me so you had nothing to do with this i had absolutely everything to do with it all right oh oh, so this is (laughs) like a vanity title then this this guest didn't actually do any work it's like executive uh, producer no it's basically i i made the tea 
Oh, but, um, <laughs> proper proper English tea, of course. Yeah, proper English tea. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. so you, you're dedicating an entire issue to the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, and God bless you for doing that, because I really feel that uh, the the ROTJ 30th, outside of the star-studded screening that Jimmy Mack attended in uh, Los Angeles, and Kyle Newman's wonderful return to Return of the Jedi film, it's been a little bit lackluster in the commemoration. You think so, so? I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm really excited for Rinsler's book, The Making of, and, of course, mm. the, uh, the the forthcoming issue of Star Wars Insider dedicated to Return of the Jedi. So, so what am I going to learn? I feel like I know just about everything there is to know about Return of the Jedi. What am I going to learn when I crack open the pages of your special edition? Well, our guest editor, who if you guys don't know already, is the mighty Warwick Davis. Oh, oh perfect. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he's come up with a, a load of features for us that are totally unique. Um, the key one being, which I absolutely love, it's um, Warwick's Guide to Acting in Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> so if you guys... <laughs> so for anyone interested it's a how-to in course. To, yeah, if you if anyone's interested in getting a part in episode seven, this is a surefire way <laughs> of um, getting that part. And I, so yeah, so he he's kind of come up with some hints and tips. Of I what feel to a do. bit coming on when that comes out, Jimmy Mack. I hope so. <laughs> That's all I guess. You know, the, the great thing about having Warwick work at the Titan Magazine's offices is he only needs half a cubicle. Tell you what, that guy's such a diva. He's oh, unbelievable. He Just, demands the full office. Personal driver, perhaps. Personal driver. He demar- We had to uh, make Ewok cakes for him. <laughs> to eat as he worked. Yep. Cakes fit for an Ewok, or cakes made of Ewok? These were. Well, you'll have to see in the magazine, but wow. it's not pretty. I mean, he's tucking in. He's basically tucking into to little cakes, sort of with his own face on them. Oh, with wicked, wicked what? face on them. Oh. It, it's That's, it, wicked eating wicked. This is. Dangerous yeah. and disturbing. I would advise any small children to stay away from this issue. This is is going to give them nightmares. Yeah, be careful of this one because your yub might get nubbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jonathan, uh, so obviously this is keeping you busy having a guest editor coming in and uh, you just making tea. Did you have a chance to uh, catch the, Yo- or the, the Yoda Chronicles, uh, the Lego special? Did that make it over across the pond? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the. I mean, it's really strange, you guys. You always say Lego, yeah? No, yeah, Lego. What do you? Or le- I say. Le- I say more Lego. 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 Yeah, I say Lego. Lego. Like ego. I say Lego. Some it's not pe- Lego. Yeah. What no, are you talking about Lego. What What do you call the things that you put your pants on? You call a leg. It- a, don't a, get into I don't call it a leg. I don't call it a wait, 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 wait. What are you saying? You saying I have a leg, not a leg? You say leg. Yeah. Leg. You say, say leg? You say leg. Leg. Yes, leg. Not leg. <laughs> That's a, that must be a you know one of those things that sort of regional. That's a regional thing. Regional thing. All right, so Lego. My ego. Yeah. All right. I guess hence the rhyme. It's not Lego my ego. No. What do they say on the commercial? Lego my ego. You don't say Lego my ego. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. I mean, where's, where's the YouTube? What are you talking about? What's going <laughs> What's uh, happened? Talking about waffles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and also somebody, 
somebody wrote me an email and said, uh, we have been calling it Star Wars Lego when, in fact, it's called Lego Star Wars. So we have to correct that. Oh. Oh, so yeah. Lego comes first. Yeah. Yeah. And Star Wars. Oh. So I don't I, know how you I know, feel about that. Real, that would be really irritating to someone who uh, faithfully followed Lego. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Lego Batman, Lego Star Wars. Yes, right. it's always okay. it, it's always the, Le- the brand. The Lego first. comes first. Wow, that you know they've got some cachet in order to uh, make Star Wars a subhead. Nobody does that. It's not it's not Insider Star Wars. It's Star Wars Insider. Well, I can announce we're making some changes. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunate oh. we had this conversation. So, what did you think? You, what did you think of the uh, the Lego special, John? I thought it was great. I've, I've really it's just it's one of those weird things that I always resist them slightly at first because mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm in my late thirties and I'm it's it's Lego and that's kind of a kid's thing and then I kind of just well I'll, I'll watch the first bit and mm-hmm. I just think they're absolutely brilliant they are so funny they are uh, they're they're very fun this one this one I I particularly like the the homages to some of the previous ones where he had Ian in there and uh, I mean. You don't get much better than Lindo. Speaking of how to pronounce things, uh, the the appearance of Lindo. Who knew that that was Lando's father's name? Lindo Calrissian. Now, now how, how, what level of canon is the Lego Star Wars? I think it's L canon. For sure, it has its own. It has yeah. its own level. But you know, I want to say that that's probably one of the reasons why I enjoy them so much is because I'm not sitting there trying to like place it in any certain time frame i'm not trying to see it as any kind of a rewrite of anything it's just it's just having fun with those characters well we'll get into our full review later in the show we have some highlights we're gonna play and uh talk a little bit more about that but jonathan i I really want to know more about this uh new issue of insider that's uh hitting stands now uh 142 we have the uh the little prequel talk uh, a nice uh Write up about Padme. We got some trading cards. What else can we look for? Um, yeah, we've got a great article um, about season five of the Clone Wars, um, which you know, after the the news about the Clone Wars and it, it sort of coming to an end, I kind of really wanted to do a, a, an article on how the show has changed Star Wars, which it has completely changed the Star Wars saga for the better, of course. Um, and that last season, I just thought was you know, phenomenal. And it, this is kind of our, our tribute to that um, and to the work that Dave did on the show. And, uh, well, Dave and the, the entire team did on the show, which, you know, I think Star Wars fans should all be really proud of that. So True. we've got a we've got a, a cool feature on that. Um, we've got a vintage uh, yet, kind of a complicated thing, it's a vintage yet unseen... Um, interview with john dykstra who was of course uh, the visual effects pioneer um on the original on the original star wars um and this is an interview that sort of was first seen in the you know those big industrial light and magic books that came out uh, i think there were there were two volumes that came out in the 80s mm-hmm. um and this is from the first first of those but it's an unedited interview with him um about his work on those early films which which again you kind of think wow before 
sort of CGI really kicked in in movies and stuff. Those guys just were wonders. They really did. And um, so it's kind of a ni- nice to look back on those that sort of classic classic period and it's sort of my understanding from interviews and various things I've seen that the uh, that the new Star Wars movies are, are kind of going down the same road in terms of model work and uh, real sets which I think is, is, is cool I think that's very exciting um, hmm. have you have you heard about these uh, locations that are under consideration out in Ireland yeah I have some beautiful locations out there I don't know I think I saw a picture of a, of a kind of a beach kind of setting or a rocky was it a rocky beach or a, some cliffs and stuff and it, it did look really atmospheric so um that's really cool i believe also they're looking at scotland and various places like that so it's uh no it's cool very, we're all very excited over here that star wars is going to be shot here so yeah i'd like to see the new yeah. productions move away from that dependency they had on the green screen throughout the entire prequel era i would like to see as mark hamill said out at the egyptian theater last month that he would like to see a more tasteful balance between the cgi and the physical and i think all star wars fans would kind of uh be happy with that decision yeah absolutely anything else special about uh insider 142 uh, yeah, there is. There's. Um, we've got um, looking back on the uh, early days of the expanded universe. We've got um, interviews, new interviews with Roy Thomas and mm. Howard Chaykin about the uh, early days of those Marvel comics. Boy, I'll tell you what. Um, no one just lightens up and becomes just like it's. It's just a blanket of warmth that surrounds a Howard Shaken when he wants to discuss his involvement in Star Wars. Hey, it's a really sweet interview. He's, 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 um, Does he open up? Does he actually open up and talk about anything other than the money he got screwed out of? Yeah, of course he does. No, I mean, yeah, I mean... <laughs> um, Depends yeah, on how you know. much he's getting paid for the interview, probably, right? Cha-ching. Yeah, we, yeah we, our entire budget was blown on him. <laughs> no, no, not really. Um no, I think we must have just got him on a good day because, yeah. um, you know, I mean, he says, sort of a sample quote is, he says, I regard my work on Star Wars as going to school in public. Um, mm. It talks about sort of what a learning opportunity it was. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a good sort of behind-the-scenes look at those, uh, those early days. Um, and then, of course, we've got our uh, regular exclusive fiction, the guys at Delray of... of uh, come up with another great story for us uh christy goulden has written um a story which is a lead-in to star wars crucible um and we've got some spectacular art by the always brilliant joe caroni yes joe's a great guy and um so are, are these uh this uh fiction is it more focused on the core characters or uh is it um side character um it's actually it's it's actually focuses on the um on jaina solo and it's yeah it's it's a really good story actually it's a good it's a kind of it's a scene setter so it hasn't actually got the main characters um in it this this time but it sort of builds up to their their appearance in the in crucible very nice very nice and of course all the regular features are uh, intact uh, stuff for collectors, uh, 
uh, fiction, just, just everything. Uh, yeah. Mary Franklin's uh, Bantha tracks, you name oh, it. It's yeah. all the, the insider and everything you've uh, come to expect and love uh, each and every issue. Hey, uh, do you ever like pinch yourself and go, wow, I'm editing Star Wars Insider. For me, the magazine is something that's always been there for me. You know, it, it really was there to help me shepherd in what is the modern era of, of my personal fandom back in the early nineties when the prequels were under construction and uh, there was uh, the, the, the expanded universe was vibrant and it just insider happened at a time. It, it obviously evolved out of the Lucasfilm fan club magazine and became this slick professionally made newsstand magazine that you could get anywhere. I remember being in the, in the 90s, seeing it on newsstands, going, wow, this is great. You know, Star Wars fandom is out of the closet, and it's mainstream, and it's available to anyone who wants to learn more about the films. And, of course, this is before the big internet age where, you know, all you have to do, if you want any sort of news, you just go, simply go online. This is at a time when we were getting Star Wars news exclusively from Star Wars Insider. And it's cool to see you guys have maintained that tradition all these years later. So as a Star Wars fan, do you ever say to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe I'm working on this title? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's so much fun to do. Um, you know, get to talk to lovely gentlemen like yourself of course and um mm-hmm. that's that's one of the great perks of the job but also you know it's it's amazing to kind of have access for example to um lucasfilm's picture archive and it's sort of it's updated every every couple of days and suddenly there'll be like 20 new photographs from a new hope that no one's ever seen before and it's like, wow, this is just crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's great. It's really good to connect with the fans. I mean, there's so much Star Wars out there. It's um, If there's a challenge, it's um, it's kind of appealing to a, a, you know, a phenomenon that really has a fan base from, you know, the age, you know, <laughs> age three to... 19, yeah, what is the know. yeah? What's the demo? I mean, I it's it's got to be a difficult thing when when the reach is that is that broad. It's kind of a blessing and a curse in a way because you can't you can't be all things to all people. So you're going to have obviously stories and issues that resonate with one group of fans over another. But throughout the year, I think you really provide a great selection of wonderful Star Wars content. And I'll tell you, Jonathan, one of the nice things about the magazine is that it's really evergreen. I mean, sure, there's news, but it's just as fun sometimes to go back and reread and look at some of these uh, uh, articles and, and, and coverage from past events, and it's, uh, it, it just feels timeless. Well, it's, it's quite useful because um, whenever we get anything wrong or we're not sort of ple- you know pleasing enough people on a subject... I mean, as you guys know, um, Star Wars fans are very vocal, and that's exactly as it should be. Yes, we so are. For, <laughs> so, <laughs> for example, um, you know, we noticed that there were people on our Facebook page, um, and we noticed that there were sort of emails coming in saying, hey, why aren't you guys covering the prequels um, anymore? Um, which, you know, I fully admit, we did kind of stray away from that, partly because they seemed very recent and there was kind of wall-to-wall coverage 
Um, but, but then you look and you realise that was sort of ten years ago. <laughs> right. So yeah. um, so it, it's it's nice to be able to sort of act and on what pe- you know what our readers directly want. Um, right. what Star Wars fans directly want and I really would encourage if there's something that you think is missing in the magazine please come on our Facebook site and uh, Facebook page and just, just well just ask ask nice and you shall receive so Jonathan as you look as you look to the future as we all are with uh, the coming sequel films uh, when does this start to when do you see this start to, starting to get very real for you or 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 is it already in terms of star well, wars rebels um, and star wars 7 8 and 9 well it's very yeah it's one of the great frustrations with um the current issue is we just missed out on the rebels um news being broken so mm. unfortunately we didn't get it in this issue but we're hoping we're going to have a lot more about it next issue um so it, it is very real um star wars news is happening all the time i don't think it's i mean i've said this so many times now but i i don't think it's it's ever been a better time to be a star wars fan uh with with all this stuff around the corner it's so exciting um and so in terms of our cover i mean luckily um Episode seven coming up. It's going to give us lots of great content. We're going to, um, I, you know, I I can't wait to 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 do the cover with the first image from episode seven on the cover. I think that's going to just be awesome. Jimmy Mac, do you remember the first Star Wars Insider with an episode one cover and what that cover was? Oh wow! I want to say it's you and McGregor. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Ewan McGregor is young Obi-Wan. That was the first one. It was Ewan. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I think back to all that coverage and, uh, you know, Dan Madsen was interviewing Rick McCallum on a regular basis, getting updates from the production itself. Jonathan, do you guys anticipate having similar access as the new films are being produced? Um, That depends how secret Squirrel JJ's going to be. I mean, to be honest, though, I think from the comments made by Kathleen Kennedy, I think that there's going to be a lot of interaction with the fan base during the making of the movie. And therefore, um, I can't promise anything at this stage, but I'll certainly be pushing to do a similar thing, like a production update and... Uh um, and sort of uh, keeping keeping everyone uh, up up to date. I mean, it, it, things have changed slightly because the internet's so big now. And it's, um, but if we can have in depth interviews while mm-hmm. while it's being made, that would be absolutely brilliant. So tell fans uh, who might not be familiar what kind of comments did Kathleen make regarding the production of Star Wars and being connected to fandom. Well, yeah, she she. Basically, I think she was asked um, in terms of uh, w- will there be lots of secrecy around the making of the movie? Will it all be kept under wraps until you know it, it's all been shot? And I think, from what I could make out, she she seemed to be saying no. There'll be more of a a um, there'll be more openness and more sort of um, you know obviously carefully controlled reveals from the movie but still it you know i don't think the the curtain will be 
left down. Well, that's good news. And have you noticed, or should we as fans anticipate, anything changing with the magazine concerning Disney's ownership of Star Wars? Uh, well, that kind of remains to be seen, to be honest. Um, thus far, no. I mean, I think I think the thing a lot of people um, forget is that Lucasfilm is still there, and, and you know, I mean, I I work with Lucasfilm with um, Jonathan Rinsler and, and Pablo Hidalgo, uh, kind of oversee the magazine from Lucasfilm's point of view. So they're sort of another layer, and then there's um, you know, obviously Disney beyond that. But so so far, no changes from uh, seem to be on the horizon. We'll see. You know, Jason pointed out something interesting to me, and uh, he said he was flipping through a new Star Wars novel, and he was looking for any indication of Disney's ownership with the Star Wars brand, and he couldn't find anything. He looked on the credits page. He looked on the acknowledgments page. He looked everywhere. And when you open up an issue of Star Wars Insider these days, nowhere does it say in the um, that little credit bar that sidebar that has all the, uh, the 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 credits for the you know the contributors and everyone from Lucasfilm to Titan to uh, and beyond who, who work on a magazine there there is absolutely no acknowledgement of the Disney ownership and and to me that seems like a sign that um, while Disney does own Lucasfilm Lucasfilm will still be making Star Wars so yeah. it, it's like it's like considering. I'm just going to use Disney as an example. They own ESPN. When you watch ESPN, you're not being constantly reminded that Disney owns ESPN. You're, you, you're watching ESPN. You assume the productions are all made by ESPN. The presentation is being brought to you by ESPN. So it's ESPN. And typically, you don't think of Mickey Mouse when you're watching SportsCenter. And I think that that's something that Star Wars fans should have in the back of their heads, that while Disney does now own Star Wars and Lucasfilm, it is Lucasfilm that is going to be creating Star Wars along the way. And so we shouldn't be considering things like, I don't know, seeing the seven dwarfs belly up to the Moss <laughs> in the bar, even though that sounds like kind of a good idea. <laughs> But it's it, it, it's not that sort of that sort of um, way that the two are going to be meshed together moving forward, and I hope that that continues with uh, the way things like publications like Star Wars Insider is treated. I, th- I think it will. I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone, but I think I think it's not in Disney. Disney haven't bought Star Wars to dilute the brand, and you know to to. Um, sort of make everything disneyfied on it and like you say the espn thing is you know it's they own it but it's not sort of you're not sort of bombarded with pictures of mickey mouse right every right. sort of half an hour or whatever so that's cool all righty well you know what it's been great to catch up with you jonathan uh for people who want to hear more from jonathan wilkins check out bondcast where myself jason and jonathan talk about each bond film individually uh we are taking our own sweet time <laughs> we're about ready to release our first episode featuring discussion of goldfinger we are releasing these episodes 
in the order that the Bond films themselves were released. So really in-depth conversation and analysis of each Bond film in the order of their release. So join us on Bondcast. You can find it on iTunes or uh, just visit good old Shot Glass Digital and you'll find all the episodes there. Jonathan, it's always great to talk to you about James Bond, but we really love talking Star Wars, too. And uh, anytime you want to come back and talk about Insider on Rebel Force Radio, our door is always open. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. All right. Now, now go to bed. Yeah, beat it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk to you later, Jonathan. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Good night. Night. Rebel Force Radio. All right. Before we get any further, we do want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this week's show, Audible.com. You know Audible. We've been telling you about them for years. They've been a big supporter of this show. Audible.com, they are your source for the best in spoken audio entertainment, providing literally, literally, like 100,000 crazy titles to choose from. Audiobooks. We're talking about audiobooks and other types of audio programs, but mainly really well narrated. I should say played out, acted out. Uh, audio versions of your favorite books, the latest and greatest bestsellers, plus all the classics. They're all there. Every possible genre you could imagine. They've got you covered. And here's the cool thing. We're going to give you a free audiobook download of your choice. Because that's what you do. You download this. You put it on your portable audio device like your, your iPhone. In fact, you don't even need to do that anymore, Jimmy Mac. They've got these great apps. I love plug the plug you right app. into your library and you don't have to worry about downloading anything. Yeah, I love the Audible app. It's so easy to use, It's and it's rock solid, too. Anytime I want to go to it, it takes me right back to where I left off in whatever audio book I'm listening to. Got a great email from a listener. It was actually on Facebook here, and I'm a, I'm a little unprepared. I don't have his name handy, but he said, uh, hey, you know, I uh, really enjoyed listening to Smuggler's Gambit, and I'm interested in other Star Wars audio productions do you have a recommendation on what i should listen to and i said well obviously the best place to start is with brian daly's star wars audio drama and you can get it at audible.com it could be your free audiobook download it is just as close to star wars canon as you want to get with something that's in a production outside of George's realm, which I mean the films. It really fills in a lot of the blanks and is just an excellent, excellent way to get into Star Wars audio dramas. If uh, you're in, you know, uh, here, I think I have his name right here because I want to I want to thank this uh, young man who uh, because he he told me that he's like, I am one of here. I'm going to read his email. Please. Uh, his name's Chris LeMay, and he says, Hey, guys, I'm a younger fan, and I've only recently run out of official, dink, dink, that means quotes, Jason. Mm, thank dink, you. Dink, yeah, right, right. Official, heard, official, Star, <laughs> right. <laughs> official Star Wars productions to watch, having just sat through the holiday special. So I'm trying fan audio productions. I stumbled across Star Wars in the shadows, and I thought it was awesome. It was really, I was really surprised to hear Jimmy's name in the credits. Kind of a cool thing. <laughs> He was surprised. Jesus, where's he been the last year? That's all well, we've heard about. 
<laughs> no, no, no. This is something different. This is something called Star Wars in the Shadows, which I did. Oh, oh, in the shadow. Okay, not, yeah. not, uh, yeah. not. You gotcha. Okay, right. And it was produced by a guy named uh, Danny Pepin. Oh, right. I remember that. Danny Pepin. Yeah. And I think I, oh, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his, his I name. I believe it's Pepin. 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 Yeah, he's a very um, talented uh, sound mixer, and he wrote this story and asked me to do a, a voice. And I think I must have done 20 takes. You he, were a trooper, weren't you, of some sort? I was, I was a trooper. Yeah. And he's like, I just, everything you give me sounds like Jimmy Mack. That's all I hear is Jimmy Mack. And, uh, so well, you said, are Jimmy Mack. I say, yeah, I, I, there's not much I can really do about that. Um, you know, I, I, I can do voices. I don't have that chameleon um, quality that like a James Arnold Taylor has who can really turn himself into any character he wants. And you right. don't hear James. But I, 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 if you want to hear James's voice, you listen to any voice he does and you will hear James in there. You know, it's just how prepared are you? You know, if, if you set yourself up and say, I'm going to hear Jimmy Mack play this audio for me. Oh, my right. God. It sounds just like Jimmy Mack. Like I mean, that's Mack. all you're going to hear. Right. That you're you're focused right. in on it. Yeah. But I focus determines your reality. Qui-Gon said it. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. So um, I had a great time doing this audio drama. And uh, so he says, are there any other fan productions you could recommend? I've already listened to Smuggler's Gambit, and I love it. And so I said, oh, well, we got to respond to this young man here. And so I said, hey, you know what? Check out the great Star Wars audio dramas on audible.com. And I gave him the link and I said, ask your parents first, you know, cause I don't want to be some guy like trying to push our wares on kids on the internet. You yeah. Know? Right. I said, check with your parents first. I, you know, that's cool. And so he's like, yeah, thanks so much for replying to me. I'll check it out soon. And that's what I recommend people doing. That's a great place to start. If you're into Star Wars audio and the, there's so much great stuff that fans do too, uh, fan Star Wars fan audio, but uh, like in the shadows, but if you're still looking for official dink dink releases, mm. You're cheating yourself if you don't listen to Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi as written by Brian Daly, produced by NPR, and released over the airwaves during the, the early 80s. Um, I believe they released Star Wars after Empire had already been in the theaters. Correct. Correct. And then they, they followed up with Empire, and then there was about a 10-year gap before they finally got it together, obviously the big setback being the, the death of the author, Brian Daly. But they got everyone together to, uh, at least the, the production team, to follow it up with, with uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, made a serious misstep in, uh, in casting Lando. But listen to that for yourself and you'll know what I mean. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it, it's like that they, they hired, well, Billy D wasn't available. What was he? Was he filming Batman at the time? What's yeah, going so they on? couldn't get Billy D, so they got the guy who played Felix Leiter in Live and Let Die. It's it, it's like that. It's that dramatic of a shift. Wait a minute, is it? It's not really him, right? It sounds like him. <laughs> I know you. You're not a fan. I can't well, think of the that, actor's name that right Felix now. Felix Leiter. That that Felix Leiter. Yeah, you're not a fan. Well, there's of that a one. certain smoothness that needs to be apparent in Lando Calrissian, and this guy had none of it. Guy didn't have it. But you do get Ed Asner as Jabba the Hutt, and John Lithgow as Yoda. John Lithgow as Yoda, and uh, you even hear um, one of the funniest guys in the world, 
David Allen Greer doing a variety Dag. throughout the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so this has really spun into a, a, a whole conversation about um, about the Star Wars audio dramas. We're here to talk about Audible, but you know, Star Wars Insider Magazine recently has done a series of articles about Brian Daly and the trials and tribulations he went through as he wrote the Star Wars audio dramas and uh also uh there's some they they put some stuff in there about han solo at star's end and those great novels that he wrote in the 70s so if you're interested in that check out some back issues of star wars insider magazine and uh you know next time we have jonathan on maybe we'll talk a little bit about brian daly and the sort of impact he's had on star wars and star wars fandom since he wrote these great audio dramas. But yeah, definitely check that out. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. That's what the man said. And uh, <laughs> I always have to double check with you on these websites. Yeah. And, uh, and, and get your uh, free audio book. And uh, that's what I recommend. Star Wars audio dramas. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody. <laughs> Well, how's this for Star Wars and pop culture? The Yoda Chronicles, part of the uh, the third part, I should say, in the... Uh, oh, wait a minute. We were corrected. Lego Star Wars saga. Oh, that's Not right. It's Lego. It's Lego. Oh, we failed Star- the first test. Failed yeah. the first test. Yeah, I know. I know. So, yeah. So, Lego Star Wars, uh, the Yoda Chronicles... Uh, I, I enjoyed it very much. I, I, I do say that every new character that showed up, I was trying to guess who was doing the voice. Did you find yourself doing this? Absolutely. And right away, the first thing that jumped out to me is, hey, we're watching the first ever production that does not feature Matthew Wood as General Grievous. What happened? Wood happened or not. <laughs> right. um, yeah, actually, I don't recognize any of these names. I, I thought that... Um, yeah, Matt was definitely conspicuous by his absence. He's a busy guy. I mean, he's he's obviously does a lot more than just the voice of General Grievous. But I kind of thought he had sort of a relationship with that character like Anthony Daniels and C-3PO. Right, right. So they went with a, an actor named Kirby Morrow, who did a, he did a fine job. He mm-hmm. did a fine job. But, yeah, it was uh, very noticeable. And as, as we have uh, Jason Cut 3, that features... Kirby as General Grievous, and I really do think that, well, of course, obviously outside of the Clone Wars micro-series, which featured a very different, and the General Grievous in that, I'm talking about the Gandhi Car- oh, Tartic- right. mm-hmm. you know, that was, uh, I, I can't remember who, I think, you know, I think the voice of that was... Um, that was just called Star Wars Clone Wars, not Star Wars The Clone Wars. Right, right. More commonly known as the micro-series, at least Which, around sure, fandom. Sure. Or the Gendy series. The, or the Gendy series. But you know what? I think it was Corey Burton who did that voice of Grievous. Really? If I'm not mistaken. You know, I have to look that up. Look but I know uh, Kirby Morrow is uh, voicing Grievous. And since Matt Wood has taken ownership of that role back in Revenge of the Sith... We have not really heard anyone else. I don't think we've heard anyone else voice Grievous. And this is a first time for everything. Excellent work, Count Dooku. (laughs) 
And you, General Grievous. Oh, did you think I coughed because I was mad at you for not praising me? I was just coughing. I cough all the time. <laughs> oh, see? No, just get to work. I really liked, uh, that was Trevor Duvall as uh, Palpatine. I really liked his, uh, his pal- he, he, he had that bitey, you know, thing going on. Yes. Lot, you know, a lot of people get the resonance, but that bite, you know, mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm. he attacks all the words. So I, I really liked his uh, his Palpatine and, uh, you know, his his emperor. He didn't quite have the uh, he's no Ian Abercrombie when it comes to playing the, the Palpatine part as opposed to, you know, the, the Darth Sidious part. But uh, still a, a, a good job by Trevor. And um, so, yeah, it, 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 I don't want to say it, it was distracting because it, it didn't last very long, but it, it seemed like every time a new character came on, I'm like, ooh, is that a Clone Wars actor? And that's basically what I was looking for. I was also surprised that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who had a very quick line, only one line, was not uh, portrayed by uh, James Arnold Taylor. Rather, I think it was, uh, oh, it was Sam Vincent. Sam, see uh, some new names. Yeah. And uh, by the way, General Grievous in the Gendy series, voiced by a guy named Richard McGonagall. So, mm. and he was uh, featured as General Grievous in the. Uh, so it wasn't Corey Burton, but you know what? I love looking at this this cast listing here on IMDb because you see a lot of talent that moved from the micro series, the Gendy series, into the. Macro series, the Filoni series, right. um, including have, James Arnold Taylor. James, of course, uh, Jat, he's uh, there, and uh, Corey Burton did play Count Dooku. Tom Kane is Yoda, of course. T.C. Carson is Mace Windu. Now that was another one I was surprised to see wasn't uh, in in the Yoda Chronicles. But we should point out that we did have uh, the great Tom Kane as not just Yoda, but the narrator, right. Right. And um, Anthony Daniels, of course, mm-hmm. uh, coming back to play uh, C-3PO. Who really does a great job in these. I mean, he he kind of carries these in a way because he's, he's got so much, uh, so many lines and so much screen time. But he, he just he, really, really well done. And there's a connection between Anthony and the great writing from Michael Price, who wrote this episode, Simpsons veteran michael price mm-hmm. um friend of us here at rebel force radio and we really should have michael on i am a little disgusted at us for not having him on with the yoda oh, he's project. not coming on well, I, we'll thought he was the, on. I thought he was the guest tonight no no he's not well with just wilkins yeah just well well you know what i am going to cruise through artist alley at c2e2 and talk to jeff carlisle oh coming. yeah we got jeff Car- coming jeff carlisle coming up guy, okay. you know I, so i i, I don't want uh, of course i'm <laughs> kidding that jonathan <laughs> Just Wilkins. I had to throw that in there, you know. Have to get Michael on the show. Yeah. That's going to happen. Right. So don't worry about that. But um, voices, Kirby Morrow is, is grievous. Um, what are we hearing here? We're not hearing that rich European accent. Um, it's almost indistinguishable. The the or it's a it's a softer grievous. It, it's it's. It's more like you know, Grievous from the Bronx. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm it's hearing. Mid, it's Midwest American Grievous. But you know what I am hearing there? I'm hearing more of the effect, right? Vocal right. effect from the harmonizer taking control, as opposed to the acting skill of Matt Wood. And I, I don't want to diminish any uh, contributions Kirby Morrow made to uh, 
Lego Star Wars, uh, I, I think he did a great job. I mean, shoot, I would love the chance to do that too. But um, but Kirby got the gig, and, and well, you and- get used to a certain sound. I mean, I re- you remember, of course, when Jar Jar Binks was uh, uh, replaced briefly on the Clone Wars. Uh, I'm at best. Uh, debuted the character as an animated version and then uh, left the show for a little while and you know fans were like whoa what's that it just you get used to the sound and yeah, we're very course, used to know. that sound of Grievous through Matt Wood you're making reference of course to the great B.J. Hughes controversy of 2009 right <laughs> yeah people That's, are still buzzing about that didn't they make a movie about that called Hughes the Force uh, that was all about B.J. Hughes. Yeah, how, how I, true. I, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. How true. So, um, so that was kind of interesting, though. That that's the one thing that really uh, just made me sit up in attention. It was like, wow, that is not Matt Wood right there. So, yeah. um, these these Lego productions are kind of uh, interesting. How they're sort of outside the Lucasfilm realm, almost. They do. Although, did you notice? I believe. Um there was a credit at the top of the of the special uh, and a, a dedication and I, you have to forgive me because i don't have the the lady's name but I, I i as i recall she was a marketing person for disney mm-hmm. who passed away and so i i believe that was the first i'm pretty sure um that that was really the first kind of disney esque thing or thing right, to remind right, right. me of Disney, you know, that we've seen attached to one of these specials. Yeah. Like we were talking to Jonathan earlier. Right. Right. When yeah. are we going to start really seeing the obvious effects of Disney's ownership on the star Wars franchise? Well, I think they want to get the brand on there. And I, and I, I kind of disagree with you guys. I, I, you know, it seems Jonathan and you both seem kind of united in the fact that you think it's going to be uh non-existent. And I, well, I, hopeful, I for sure. So uh, what's that? I'm hopeful. I just, uh, you know, I think that you're going to start seeing, you know, Lucasfilm, blah, 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 and Star Wars, registered trademarks, Disney, copyright, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think eventually we'll start to see that uh, boilerplate language show up from time to time. Mm, but, uh Now, Yoda Chronicles, um, I love the writing of Michael Price, don't get me wrong, but I really think it's time... That Star Wars and Star Wars fandom put something to bed. It's the Admiral Ackbar, it's a trap joke. Ah. That has been driven into the ground. <laughs> it is no longer funny to me. It's more of an annoyance at this point. Jimmy Mack taking a crap on the trap. I'm taking a crap on the trap. That's right. And I invite you to join me as we all collectively take a crap on the trap. I think it's <laughs> time has come and gone. God bless Seth Green and the crew at Robot Chicken for really pushing that thing into the vogue. And it became a meme and something that was fun to throw around. College campuses everywhere. Somewhere along the line, it just got driven into the ground. I think it jumped the shark with the Ole Miss mascot campaign. Is that when it happened? I had totally forgotten about that, but you are absolutely right. They wanted to make Admiral Akbar the college campus mascot for Ole Miss. 
Was it Ole Miss? It was Ole Miss. We have to dig up the that old story. Old man. We got to dig up that story. That's an interesting story. So, um, but yeah, you know, and that was years ago, Jason. And yeah. it's still like you can't walk into Starbucks without seeing somebody had wrote on a chalkboard, <laughs> it's a frap. <laughs> Or you can't go in a sandwich shop without seeing it's a wrap, you know? I know, I know. Here it is. Here's a clip. We've got the clip just to beat it to the ground some more from uh, Yoda Chronicles. It's a trap. It's a trap. Well done. Okay, so what you're hearing here, because it's very noisy. Yeah, it is. But you hear Yoda is voiced brilliantly, as always, by Tom Kane saying the now infamous. Yes, I am applying that tag to it. Infamous. It's a trap line. It comes out of Master Yoda. Yeah. All right. So th- this is where I think we're really jumping the shark, Jason, for okay. reals this time. Okay. He, so he's in a spaceship, and he's under fire by these Star Destroyers, and they cut away to the cockpit next to him, in the seat next to him, and Admiral Akbar suddenly is there, and he says, uh, well, duh. Right. Why? I mean, come on. That's en- Enough is enough. We have to turn our backs to this <laughs> little bit of silliness. And I've this isn't the first time I brought I've brought this up online in various forums in the past uh recently. And uh people have come back to me and said, "Well, you know, uh, jokes and parodies have always been part of Star Wars. And even look at I'm Your Father. That's a joke everywhere. It still is to this day, and that's one of the most important moments of the Star Wars saga. Yet it plays off as a joke from time to time." Right. Well, I know. But you know what? That's because it is such an important part of the saga. It means something. It's a trap doesn't mean nothing. It doesn't mean nothing. It's a singular line of dialogue that had no significance whatsoever on the plot other than simple exposition to explain to you I don't, the emperor you know, was setting a trap for these that he was waiting for this to happen. I don't really have a problem uh, in principle with it's a trap being used. However, I do think that it's it's become a little bit of a crutch where every Star Wars parody now has to have. I think it's a trap has made it in all of these Lego specials. Well, maybe it has, but this one is the one that really bugged me. Okay. So uh, what bugged me is he didn't say a trap it is, or a trap this is. Yeah, he just said it's a trap. Right. A trap. He he couldn't even say. Uh, and, and you. Um, made reference to this earlier tonight when he wouldn't even say C-3PO, he would say 3POC. Right. <laughs> because right. Yoda flip-flops everything. Sure. We all know that. Right. But, uh, yeah, so the Admiral Akbar appearance in Yoda Chronicles was a groaner moment for me. A groaner? Uh, it was a groaner moment, and the whole It's a Trap thing, it was brilliantly executed by uh, Seth and Matt and the guys at Robot Chicken with that Admiral Akbar serial parody, because you know why? It was random. It was out of nowhere. It was a line that you easily could associate with the character because you'd seen Return of the Jedi so many times, you know the character says it. But for it to have taken off in the way it has recently, it just kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. I think it's time has come and gone, and Star Wars, as far as the humor, when humor gets applied to Star Wars... Let's just try to find something else to make fun of. I really think there's still a, a wide open canvas of Star Wars humor out there. Let's try to move on. 
or maybe as a collective whole, we're moving away from Star Wars humor. I mean, let's face it, they uh, have postponed detours, which was going to really be probably the most hardcore parody of Star Wars ever, considering it was coming from Lucasfilm. Maybe it's time to move away from making Star Wars the butt of jokes. Hmm. Let's start really? taking the war seriously again, ladies and gentlemen. And leave the parodies to the people who do it the best. Mad Magazine. Enough said. <laughs> well, I don't even want to play the next clip. You've just... Well, then I, no, no, this is a good one because we talk a lot about topless Palpatine and various other uh, characters from the Star Wars universe <laughs> who... Uh, go without a shirt. Well, <laughs> and, uh, the action figures. We, that's what we were talking about. All right. Anyway, so yes, the, the finally C three PO tells the Rancor Keeper what we've all been thinking, but only three PO C has the guts to actually say it. You, sir, do not have anywhere near the physique to pull off the shirtless look. Oh, oh, oh! You did not go there. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that's new. That's new. That's funny. Malakili's man boobs are totally up for grabs. Well, it's a bad choice of words, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Get that man a bro. (laughs) The man's ear. (laughs) Giddy up. So, So, uh, all right. Well, okay. Now, of course, there's the biggest cameo of all. Uh, yes, in Lego Star Wars, the Yoda Chronicles. But it's too big. We can't do it in Star Wars and pop culture. No, we have to move into another one of our famous little segments. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Indeed. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. <laughs> I don't know, Jim. What do you, which way do you go? Lando or Lindo? Which is it for you? <laughs> well, in this particular case, it's going to have to be Lindo Calrissian. That's right. We don't know what kind of canon level... Lego Star Wars has, uh, you know, what what sort of big effect it's going to have on the saga on a whole. But I'm willing to accept this as canon. Lando Calrissian's father, Lindo Calrissian, as he debuted on Lego Star Wars Yoda Chronicles, as played by Billy D. Williams. You want me to play a clip then? Cut one. Cut one. I've been cutting them all night. Here we go. This is a restricted planet. You have some nerve coming here. (laughs) Just kidding. I got your distress call. The name's Calrissian. Lindo Calrissian. And this is my son, Lando. How's it going, fellas? Welcome aboard the Millennium Falcon. The finest traveling nightclub in the galaxy. Nightclub? What a happening this ship is. <laughs> Would you care for a refreshing beverage? Worse ways to travel there are. <laughs> you know, I, I, I never thought of that. The Millennium Falcon as a 
flying nightclub. But it works. It works. It, I'd, I'd go hang there. Maybe that's the place where I would most like to go in the Star Wars universe. Is uh, on board. On board. And have a refreshing uh, beverage. Uh, a refreshing <laughs> beverage. Now, you know, he said that a couple times in this uh, this episode of Lego Star Wars. And uh, I don't ever. I think I it's a catchphrase now. Is, is that the new one? I think it's that's the catchphrase. Fresh and beverage. Yeah. So they have the you know the lights in the floor and everything. You could just imagine when Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian. The first thing he said was, Joey, get the lights out of the floor. <laughs> but it's a rocking place, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, so- for a moment, I mean, Yoda himself was even totally caught up in the vibe and the atmosphere. He was digging it. He was digging it. He was down with it. So uh, they, they got him to where he needed to be. I believe they took him to, uh, did they take him to Camino? Where did they drop him off? I believe it was Camino. Camino, yeah. Um, so they, they dropped him off. That was and, the first stop. Uh, and, um, you know, they, 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 they ushered him to safety. And uh, when they left, Lindo Calrissian had some parting words for Yoda. Lando, punch it. Consider it punch, Papa Bear. May the funk be with you. Now that was worth watching the whole thing. Just Absolutely. for that line. Absolutely. That line. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I think it goes without saying, this week's Billy D quote of the week is... May the funk All right, last week we had uh, Jimmy Mack talking to Star Wars artist Grant Gould. And this week, Jim, you are with Star Wars artist Jeff Carlisle. Yeah, that's right. I was at C2E2 last month here in the lovely city of Chicago, Illinois. And I was able to talk to acclaimed Star Wars artist Jeff Carlisle. It went something like this. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. All right, the most elusive interview of the convention, <laughs> Star Wars artist Jeff Carlisle. <laughs> we're, we're finally able to talk. The world is being torn down around us. You know, it seems like every convention I have at least one interview that happens during the massive teardown <laughs> when everything is over with. But so you had a good show? We did. We had a very good show. And uh, what is exciting Star Wars fans when they come to your table? What do you have on display that really captures attention? Well, for Star Wars fans, I'll have like small prints of some sketches that I've done. I'll have uh, prints from illustrations and books. Like I had some stuff from the Essential Readers Companion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, the thing that everybody loves was that uh, zombie stormtrooper picture that I did. Uh, to t- that was done for a promotion for uh, Death Troopers. Yes. And then the good old standby, the old uh, Vader's Dream. Vader's Dream. That's the one where uh, Darth Vader's in his, uh, s- surrounded by all the dead Jedi in his uh, his uh, isolation pod. So <laughs> he's surrounded now. Are they appearing to him as spirits or as bad memories? It's completely open to interpretation. But the uh, the nice thing about it is that um, they all have red lightsabers. It's the Jedi. You can tell they're zombified uh, Jedi Council members. They've mm-hmm. all got red lightsabers. Um, and then the thing what I did that was unique about it was I designed it around... The design of the image is based on a jack-o'-lantern. So the top of the isolation pod forms the face, and then I put in two lights that look work his eyes. His hanging uh, helmet kind of forms the no- nose. And then the teeth of the pod, you know, they look like jack-o'-lantern teeth anyways. Wow, so it's kind of like clever. he's been swallowed. It's pretty clever. So how does an image like that come to you? 
Um, honestly, you know, well, this was back in like '99, summer '99 was when I did the first sketch of that, and um, I I was sick. I had a fever dream, and I imagined Darth Vader being surrounded. It it was just Darth Vader surrounded by either Sith or or ghosts or something like that. It wasn't specific, but the more I kind of kept working on it, and then I, I I had the idea that it would be like a mad fold in. You can kind of base it around it like an, an image itself. And have kind of a graphic element to it, and it and it worked out really well. Oh, Al Jaffe's looking at your work, going, "How come I didn't think of that?" <laughs> <laughs> you big fan of Mad? Oh, I, I am absolutely him and Hirschfeld, and well, not Hirschfeld, but um, Mort Drucker and all those guys. Oh yeah, you know, Don Martin. Yeah, all the classic Mad. And I uh, grew up reading Mad. Really, always loved their Star Wars parodies. Oh yeah, them and Cracked. Cracked. <laughs> I was a huge. Well, Gray Morrow and um, uh, Doc Severin were huge influences and actually because they were very linear and had were really good draftsmen and yeah so I always loved those magazines my favorite line from the cracked Empire Strikes Back <laughs> parody was when Vader reveals himself to Luke and says I am your father he goes my father wasn't black and he goes that's a plastic mask you dip <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I always thought of that one as being the funniest thing I've ever seen in Cracked. Well, and then, and then when he takes the mask, I forget who it is. It's like Paul Lind or somebody. Like it's just, oh, right, right. yeah, it just kills me. Hello there, Luke. It's me. Do you ever have any aspirations for actually working among the gang of idiots over at Mad? Oh, I, you know, I, I did when I was a, I did when I was a kid, and um, I definitely, I definitely thought I was going to go into comics, mm-hmm. uh, and then what I realized was that. I didn't have the patience it took to do the multi-panel images. I liked putting... Because the problem that I had is I would put too much attention to detail into every single one, and I would never get finished. Right. And so whenever I do comics, I literally have to constantly tell myself, think of the page, not the panel. Right. And that's, and that's one of the biggest biggest shifts that I've had to make. It's a difficult discipline to sort of get down, you know, especially when, like you said, someone like you who likes to pay a lot of attention to yeah. detail really fill in the frame. Well, people accuse me of being detailed, and I say it's not detail, it's obsessive-compulsive disorder. <laughs> there you go. At least you're being honest. Well, yeah. I mean, hey. So are you working on any uh, future Star Wars projects? Uh, we're do- I'm doing a, a little... I'm doing a cartoon that's going to be for Insider. Um, but right now, with everything... With the uh, Disney buyout going on, everything's kind of in flux. Yeah. So everybody's just kind of... They're... they're there are jobs that are going to be popping up. There are going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening. It's just not for a while. Okay. And or or like everything else in freelance, you you don't know you're going to have a job, and then all of a sudden it pops up. I tell you, well, I am doing one thing though. Is um, I, I will be doing some top sketch cards for the latest uh, Galaxy Files oh, great. set, which is going to be coming out this summer. So oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Those are very popular. Very popular. yeah. And I haven't had a chance to do sketch cards in about three years or so. And it's always nice to kind of go home and do that. And having space in my schedule uh, means that I can do that again. Oh, great. Well, good. And um, it must be fun for you as an artist to see them then pop up on eBay and watch what they're going for sometimes. <laughs> and make money for other people? Yes, it's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> well, you're not doing them for free in no. the first place, I'm sure. Well, you know, the thing is, it, it's one of those things where it's like with sketch cards, you have to make a choice. Because, you know, they pay uh, an amount, a, a certain amount per card. And you can either do artwork, which is exactly what it's made, and try to do like a thousand or two thousand cards, or you can kind of take the hit up front and say and do a lot a, a lot of work on individual cards because you know you're going to get those six back that you can that you can uh, do with what you will. Right, right. And 
I have a tendency to err on that side mm-hmm. because, you know, I want to make something that, that fans are going to want to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So where can people go to get a hold of you and check out your artwork? Well, um, you can always come to uh, Um I also have a Facebook page, which is pretty popular. It's uh, Jeff Carlisle Concept Art and Illustration on Facebook. Oh, great. Just, and, you know, I've got Twitter is uh, just at Jeff Carlisle at Twitter. Perfect. Uh, so... You know, you're out there. You're constantly working. It's great to see you out at the conventions. And you too, Jim. This is your first C2E2, right? It is my first C2E2. I think, we're, I think we'll probably do it again. Good, good. Well, we look forward to having you back in Chicago, Jeff Carlisle. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. You too, sir. That's going to wrap things up for this week. Big thanks to our sponsor, Audible.com. Don't forget, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audiobook download. Also, big thanks to our guest this week, Jonathan Wilkins, the editor of Star Wars Insider and our co-host for Bondcast. Don't forget about Bondcast. That's over at shotglassdigital.com, the official network for Rebel Force Radio and a bunch of other shows like Snide Remarks Radio and ADH Divas and Blackhawk Talk. Some of the archives for Clone Wars Declassified over there also. So check it out at shotglassdigital.com. If you'd like to play with us in between shows, you can do so. Send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. That's show at rebelforceradio.com. Voicemail line, if you'd like to leave us one of those, 708-320-1737, 708-320-1RFR. Follow us on Twitter, at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. And our Facebook page, growing by leaps and bounds. Great community of folks there talking about stories you hear on Rebel Force Radio and stories that... You don't hear on Rebel Force Radio. Really, really great community of folks. Safe talk, safe discussion. All fans, welcome. That's at Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. You iTunes users, and you know who you are. Check us out there in their podcast directory. Just search for Rebel Force Radio. We'd love for you to subscribe, as well as leave a review for the show. And uh, in fact, Jimmy Mac and I were just going through some recent reviews, so thank you guys for the five-star reviews. Jimmy Mac, we only have one rule. Make it good. Stitcher. It's a great app for iOS and Android devices for you to be able to uh, download and listen to your favorite podcasts on the go. Check them out at stitcher.com. It's Jimmy Mac's go-to app. Love it for podcasts. We'll see you next time, guys. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.